0: On Enmeshed, we discuss crimes and situations that may be disturbing for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Welcome to Enmeshed, the show that reveals some of the most poisonous people come disguised as family.
0: Enmeshed family members are fused together by unhealthy emotions instead of the strong bonds that signal a well functioning family. Boundaries are blurred and unhealthy relationship patterns are formed. Hello, and welcome to Enmeshed, the podcast that explores family relationships and crime. I'm Amanda. And I'm Pam. And our story today takes place in a town called Pleasant Garden in North Carolina about an hour from where we live and around the corner from where I went to college. Pleasant Garden is a suburb of Greensboro and was voted one of the best towns to live in in North Carolina.
1: Nice. I had never heard of it before this case, but it looks like we may have to pay a visit to Pleasant Garden.
0: Looks like an outdoorsy area with some scenic trails. So I'm in. Let's go. Let's go. So let's head back to the night of October 9th, 1995, when firefighters responded to a house fire at 2104 Brandon Station Court. It was about 9 o'clock that evening and the house in question was fully engulfed in flames. As the firefighters battled the inferno, they made a terrible discovery. The body of 28-year-old Patricia Kimball found with her arms raised above her head. Right away, investigators suspected foul play. Patricia's brother,
1: Reuben Blakely, had swung by the house that evening to check in on his sister and immediately called 911 when he saw the house was on fire. Now, he was left with a terrible task of telling their parents of
0: Patricia's death. Which meant the police needed to track down Patricia's husband, Ted Kimball, to deliver the awful news he was working at his second job at Precision Fabrics in Greensboro. He told detectives that he'd worked his first job at Lyle Building Supply until 6, then headed to Precision Fabrics. When friends told him that Patricia hadn't shown up to Bible study like she usually would, he'd attempted to call their house and gotten no answer. That's when he called Ruben to go check in on her. His alibi was corroborated by at least two co-workers. Okay, so we're clearing the husband right off the bat. As investigators continued working on the house, they found a few startling details. First, Patricia's body had been found essentially in a three-foot-deep burned-out hole in the living room, which had been caused by gasoline being dumped around her. Secondly, the master bedroom had been ransacked, and the back door had been pried open. And third, Patricia didn't die from the fire. Instead, she'd been shot in the back of the head. Fire can definitely ruin
1: evidence, but when a person is shot, that can't be covered up. None of
0: it made sense. Typically, burglars just want to get in and get out with as much loot as they can. They rarely take the time to set a house on fire to cover up evidence. So what was going on here? Everyone who
1: investigators would typically question first had alibis. Her husband Ted, her brother and his wife as well as their parents, and Ted's brother Ronnie, who was on leave from the Marines but said he was at work with Ted. Besides, Patricia was a well-liked Sunday school teacher with friends and strong ties to her family, so who would
0: want her dead? The only thing left to do for investigators was to dig deeper into Patricia's life to try to find out who was behind this heinous crime. They first looked at two burglaries the house had suffered in recent years but came up short. They'd have to go back further. Patricia Blakely had a happy, modest childhood with a stable home life in the Greensboro area extended family was close by with like-aged cousins available to play. A clever student and hard worker, Patricia bought her first car herself at 16 and saved up for a down payment on a house at 23. She came to know Ted Kimball when he was pursuing her cousin Janet Blakely. That pair split after Janet turned down Ted's marriage proposal. Though she was very pretty, Patricia worried about her weight and went to great lengths to get Ted's attention. She worked out and took modeling classes, trying to earn his affection. I think we've all done that. One point or another in life. Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, it paid off. Soon, Ted was doting on her, taking her to meet his boss at Lyle Building Supply and making promises of children and a happy life. It seemed like she was going to get everything she wanted. As a religious young woman, Patricia liked that Ted's father was a Baptist preacher, so she believed their life together would be led by God. He was ambitious, too, so she figured they'd never want for anything. Shortly after their first dating anniversary, Ted popped the question to an enthusiastic Patricia. They were married on May 7, 1994, promising till death do us part. She had no way of knowing she'd fulfilled that promise sooner rather than later. Let's take a quick break before we dive further into the Kimball marriage and Patricia's mysterious death.
2: Are you planning an event with audio and visual needs but are not sure where to start? waves entertainment can help waves entertainment is your premier full service management company with high quality custom solutions for any size event whether you are planning a large festival or concert a corporate meeting or wedding waves entertainment will power your event to excellence our team of industry professionals work closely with your vision to ensure your audience hears every word sees every detail and remembers the experience Our goal is to ensure your event is customized to fit your needs and provide professional-grade equipment to amplify your message. From live stage production and talent booking to vendor coordination, event staffing, and more, Waves Entertainment is your one-stop shop for the perfect event. Visit our website, wavesentertainment.com, or give us a call at 704-662-2435. That's 704-662-2435. Waves Entertainment, powering your event to excellence.
1: Now back to the show. Okay, so your thoughts. So I think that no relationship is entirely equal. I believe one person always loves a little bit more than the other. And the person who loves more is always at greater risk of getting hurt. And the other one, for whatever reason, never gives 100% in the relationship.
0: So I think that's what we're getting into right here. So are you suggesting a bit of foreshadowing here? Maybe. I guess we'll find out. I know we're hopping around a little in Patricia's timeline, but it makes sense to go back to the arson and the subsequent investigation. Just two days following Patricia's death, Ted attempted to collect on a $200,000 life insurance policy. And there it is. Ted is back on the suspect list. Oh, these life insurance people. But while suspicious, it's not enough for police to mount a case. Digging deeper, however, the police discovered that Patricia had not wanted the policy. They'd initially had a policy of about $75,000 but in recent days, he was trying to convince her to raise the coverage to $200,000. She allegedly hung up on him as he was trying to talk her into it, and eventually he simply forged her signature on the paperwork. Evidently, Patricia was aware of the forgery as she told her friends, quote, what's he going to do? Knock me off? Unquote. Oh boy. Yep, here it comes. The $200,000 figure came into sharp focus the more the police spoke with people who knew Ted well. Years earlier, the owner of Lyle Building Supply told Ted that he'd love to pass business on to him with one caveat. He needed to be a respectable married man. This led Ted to quickly run through women proposing to two or three before landing on Patricia. So
1: this wasn't exactly a whirlwind romance so much as a calculated business decision.
0: Exactly. And I just want to pause for a second and say that, and this goes out to all the ladies there, if you are losing weight for a man and taking modeling classes just to get his attention, he's got other women on the back burner. Right. So just keep that in mind. Right. Move on. Move on. Not worth it. And soon... Owning the business for Ted was not enough. He wanted to own the land it sat on as well. The quote, 180000 to $200,000. Oh my god. Damn it, Ted. Mm. Jeez. So let's review for a moment. Ted, his brother Ronnie, and just about everyone else in their life had an alibi for the time of Patricia's death. It appeared to be a burglary gone wrong, which lined up with the fact that the house had been burgled twice before. In one instance, the criminal was never caught. There's the contentious life insurance policy that amounted to the same Ted wanted to advance his career, yes, but some things are just coincidences. So what now? Thankfully, an anonymous tipster from Ted's church came forward to tell the police that just 10 days after Patricia's death, Ted was dating again. Scandalous, to say the least, especially at church. Indeed. Not only that, but Ted had Patricia's body cremated against the Blakely family's wishes. And lastly, that life insurance policy? Patricia hadn't taken the required doctor's examination for it to go into effect. Ted was left furious to find out that $200,000 was not coming his way. While Ted's actions were suspicious and yes, scandalous, his alibi was airtight. It didn't matter that Patricia's co-workers and family had reported that Patricia was scared of Ted in those last few weeks of her life, and it didn't matter that he wasn't acting like a grieving husband. None of that would hold up in court. The only reasonable avenue for police to take was to
1: look at an accomplice. Ronnie, his brother, didn't enjoy such a tight alibi. Hey, enmeshment.
0: Here we go. Saddle up. Ronnie was a Marine stationed at Camp Lejeune. By all accounts, Ronnie looked up to his older brother and would do anything Ted asked of him. Growing up, Ted was clearly the favorite son, while Ronnie was considered a little slow. Several people also claimed that Ted was very controlling of Ronnie, calling the shots for his brother when it came to major decisions. But how far could that control extend? When questioned by the police, Ronnie exhibited odd behavior but stuck to his story. He was emotional, repeatedly asking at odd intervals who would do such a thing to Patricia. Ronnie told investigators he'd gone to his brother's around 7 o'clock on the morning of the murder to use Ted's car to transport building supplies. He then joined Ted at Lyle's around 1 p.m., sticking around for about two hours. He claimed that he returned the car to Ted's house and then drove straight to his own but there was still a two-hour gap until he arrived home. And the drive from Lyle's building supply to Ted's and then back to Ronnie's home should have only taken about 50 minutes. Police asked him to take a lie detector test, but he refused. Clearly, Ronnie was the weak link between the
1: two brothers. Police just needed a little more to send the case over the edge into something prosecutable. And of course, lie detectors are not
0: admissible in court and you don't have to take them. And that last shove came from an unlikely source. Remember, the Kimball family were religious with deep ties to the Baptist church. In January of 1997, the Greensboro police received a call from Jerry Falwell Jr., the son of the famous Baptist preacher and televangelist Jerry Falwell, whose robust conservative activism continues to shape American politics today. The Falwells founded Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, and Falwell Jr. served as an attorney for his father and the school. The senior Falwell told police that one of his students, Mitch Wheeler, was friends with Ronnie. Ronnie and his wife, Kimberly, came to visit Mitch and his wife, Deborah, one evening. Shortly after arriving, Kimberly learned that the Greensboro police had once again contacted her parents to question them about Patricia's murder. Ronnie literally threw himself on the floor in a tantrum, sobbing and kicking his feet at the news. It took several minutes for the Wheelers and Kimberly to get him under control. Later that evening, Mitch pulled Ronnie aside in an attempt to console and counsel his friend. That's when Ronnie suddenly blurted out, quote, I did it, Mitch. I killed her. I killed Patricia. Unquote. Understandably stunned, Mitch asked him why he did it. Ronnie simply replied, quote, Because my brother paid me to do it. Unquote. Mitch tried to convince Ronnie to turn himself in, but Ronnie said he'd die before going against his brother. Hey, Enmeshmit, we meet again. Wracked with guilt, Mitch went to Reverend Falwell with his revelation once Ronnie and Kimberly left the Wheeler residence. This was exactly what Greensboro police needed. And on April 1st, 1997,
1: Ted Kimball was arrested in the death of Patricia Blakely Kimball. Ronnie Kimball was arrested simultaneously by military
0: police at Camp Lejeune. Ronnie told Mitch that he'd parked his car in the driveway the day of the murder and then broke in the back door, hiding in the bathroom until Patricia came home as she passed by his hiding spot. He sprang into action and shot her in the back of the head. He then poured gasoline around her body and lit it on fire to hide evidence he'd ever been there When police arrested the brothers, they kept them totally separated in hopes they'd confess. But neither one did. They were tried separately as well, with Ronnie's defense claiming Ronnie had been describing a bad dream to Mitch rather than confessing to a crime. The jury didn't buy it, sentencing Ronnie to life in prison with no possibility of parole. Wow, good try. About a month before his own trial
1: was set to start, Ted attempted to mount an escape. Prison staff found detailed maps of the courthouse in his cell, as well as a hit list of people that were set to testify
0: against him. Ooh, gutsy. Wow. Good luck with that, Ted. Really. On January 28, 1999, Ted pleaded guilty to second-degree murder, first-degree arson, and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder as part of a plea deal with prosecutors. He also entered an Alford plea, in which he agreed to be treated as guilty without admitting to it, to eight counts of solicitation to commit murder related to the witnesses he wanted killed. He was sentenced to 107 years in prison. As part of the plea agreement, Ted agreed to return Patricia's ashes to the Blakely family. When it came time to make good on the promise at his sentencing hearing, He told them he'd already scattered her ashes. At that same hearing, Patricia's parents told the judge they were worried that Ted would continue to attempt to escape prison and that they feared for their lives. He proved them right, unsuccessfully attempting to escape in 2003 and 2005. Wow, it's crazy. Well, today, the Kimball brothers
1: are incarcerated in different prisons where they will spend the rest of
0: their pathetic lives. The Blakeleys and other relatives, plus friends, described Patricia Kimball having a sweet, vivacious personality to the judge and how horrible it was that this 28-year-old woman was killed by the person she loved most in her life, her husband. Sad indeed. Yeah, he's a narcissist, for sure. I think we can all agree on that one. Yeah. Speaking of narcissists
1: who kill only once or for the first time, um, I just watched Chris Watts' American Murder, The Family Next Door on Netflix. And I guess I'm behind because sometimes I just can't stand their face to be able to absorb it yet. But I finally watched it. Have you watched it?
0: Yeah, and I want to write this down in history as the first time you've asked me if I watched something on Netflix and I have watched it before you. Nice. I know. Okay. I, I feel very important right now. Well, I
1: I didn't know that there's so much personal footage. I mean, she was just amazing with how she documented their life and their children and
0: you know, what a great mom in person. Yeah, I had a hard time watching it because is so emotionless and monotone it just made me so angry right and and sometimes
1: there aren't you know any indications of as we've said it before the quiet ones or the ones that don't show a lot of emotion that doesn't mean that they're a murderer but sometimes they just snap and I guess they think they'll get away with it because they are so hush hush
0: that's something I don't understand is how, they, how people always think they're going to get away with it. And even relating to these life insurance cases that we seem to cover quite a bit because they're family related, why do they always think they're going to get away with it? Especially now, it's 2023. Look how far we've come with technology and all the advancements that have been made. Cameras. Yeah. Well, I guess they just think that they're smarter than everyone. Well, that's, they're not. And that's why we talk about them. On this podcast.
1: Yes. And we just feel so sad for Shanann Watts, Bella Marie Watts, Celeste, who they called Cece Watts. She was so cute. And of course, their unborn son, Nico Watts. Oh, that sucks. I hate when there are kids involved. I know. And just really a beautiful situation family, house. She was working hard. And another case of. You know, she's doing everything she can to make him totally in love with her, but you just can't force it. Right. So I guess he had a girlfriend who we saw, and, and this girlfriend did come forward. Kudos to them. But I just have a personal story of, and some people out there may have differing versions. They're probably not listening to us, so. but if they are... Um, my dad came home when I was, you know, like in kindergarten, no problems, beautiful family, beautiful house, good jobs, new car. And he just said, I'm leaving. And while it devastated my mom and still does, oh my gosh, 50 some years later. And it was, you know, hard because my dad was a good dad and I loved him and all that. So there's no abuse. There's no like discipline or anything. Just, you know, there's just abandonment. Um, And he went on to pretty quickly marry his, I don't know, eight year younger secretary and, and had a second family. And then unfortunately did get sick with cancer and he died at 42 and four kids were left. But you know what? We've had a good life. My mom and I have had a good life, and he didn't need to kill us in order to marry his hot young thing exactly, right. Um, you know, if somebody says they don't want children, fine. if If you want to put them above your children, fine. Don't see your children. Maybe somebody else could come in and be a step parent. So these situations just make me thankful for. You know, when you're feeling down on some days, still had a damn good life, even if I've got daddy issues. Yep. True that. All right, Measures. Well, just remember, please don't conform to the family norm
0: and don't kill your family. Just don't do it. Just don't. And don't do it for the life insurance policy. Right. It's a known motive. We all know it's probably that. And money doesn't last for very long. If these,
1: if these people are doing it for money, they'll spend through that money in like a year and then look for their next
0: victim. Right. And Ted didn't even get the money. So what is he left with? He's left with a jail sentence and no money. He's left with being a dipshit. And a narcissist. And that's a wrap. And that's a wrap. That's all we got for you. We will see you next Monday for a new episode of Enmeshed. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. All of our sources are in today's show notes, as well as those important resources. You can find us at Enmeshed underscore True Crime Podcast on Instagram or Enmeshed True Crime Podcast on Facebook and let us know what you think. You can also get a behind the scenes look at the show and chat with us about any of the cases you've heard here or share case suggestions. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to keep up with Enmeshed and join us every Monday for fresh takes on stale relationships. Enmeshed is an Oh No production. Oh No!